Hey, good morning. Hey, it's so cool to be back and, and uh, just have a chance to speak with you again. And we're trying to land a conversation that we've been having together the last couple of weeks about uh, just our place in this world, just uh, trying to take the story of what's happened in our lives and, and to give that to people who are waiting uh, to hear that. And so we've been doing this series called Hidden, and what we discovered together is that the only one who can hide this story is us. That you and I, the only that as we uh, choose to be silent about what has happened in our lives, can hide uh, all that Jesus has done. So we're just going to continue that, kind of hopefully wrap it today together. So let me ask you a question: How would you complete? This sentence. In other words, if someone said to you, hey, if you follow Jesus, if you're a fully sold out, complete follower, if you, if you say, look, 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 I, I, I'm in it, count me in, I'm going to listen to what he says, I'm going to do what he asks, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in this journey, count me in. Where's Jesus going to take you? Uh, what, what's that going to look like? In other words, if someone said, well, you know, if you do the journey, if you follow through, if, if you are part of this with all of your heart, then, then, then what's Jesus going to make you into? Jesus is going to make me fill in the blank. Going to make you a better husband? Going to make you absolutely sold out on fire? Jesus is going to make me more spiritual, more holy. How would you complete that? If you get in, if you buy in, if you do this journey with Jesus, Jesus is going to make me fill in the blank. It's an interesting question, isn't it? And I think the answer may surprise some of us this morning. So grab your Bibles because Jesus actually answered this question for you and me. If you follow me, if you buy into this, if you, if you sign up to go on the journey with me, I'm going to make you blank. It's Mark chapter 1, and if you're not real familiar with Scripture today, if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, you're going to find this book of Mark. It's at the beginning of what we call the New Testament, which simply means it's toward the back, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, the four books that chronicle the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Mark chapter 1, it's, in the, it's early in the ministry of Jesus Christ. He's actually recruiting his disciples. He's out, he's out asking them to join along and, and to come with him. And in the midst of that, he says to them, and, and if you come, if you buy in, if you go on this journey with me, here's where we're going to land. This is, this is what it's going to be. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14, here's what it says. After John was put into prison, that's John the Baptist, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. 
and I will make you, you ready to fill in the blank? Fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. If you and I decide to follow Jesus, if you and I sign in, if you decide to say, hey, look, 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 I'm in. Jesus says, if you come on this journey with me, if you walk this walk with me, if, if you let me take you where I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you fishing. And, and I know some of you go, well, no, wait, 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 no, no, no. Jesus is just doing a playoff words. I mean, you know, he's recruiting some fishermen to come follow him. And so, you know, with a little smile and tongue in cheek, he says, you know, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. No, you're right. And, and, and if he had happened to be at a uh, techie convention and a bunch of IT people were standing around, he would have said, hey, come follow me. We'll ro- reprogram lives. If he had walked up to a group of doctors, he would have said, hey, come follow me, and I'll teach you how to heal souls. If he'd been, if he'd been talking to a bunch of firemen, he, he might have said, hey, uh, come follow me, and, I'll, and, and we'll put out eternal fires together. If he'd been recruiting some policemen, he might have said, hey, uh, come with me, and We'll let some guilty people find freedom. Yeah, you're right. The words would have changed, but you get the answers the same. That Jesus would have said, look, if you come with me, if you sign up with me, if you do this with me, you're going to push through some social barriers. You're going to say some things that people on the other side don't necessarily want to hear and you're going to find your life in some uncomfortable moments because I'm going to ask you to have conversations that people may not be completely ready to have. And, and you get that you and I live in a culture that says, look, look, there's just certain things you don't talk about, you don't bring up, you don't do. You, you don't talk about death and you don't talk about politics and you surely don't talk about religion. And yet Jesus says in this moment, if, if you come, if you do this with me, We're going to do some fishing for the hearts of men and women, which means you're going to have some of those conversations. See, if you and I are going to go with Jesus, we're going to follow Jesus, here's what we're going to then you and I are going to have to love the things that Jesus loves. And Jesus is madly, insanely, desperately in love with people. And, 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 and what Jesus knows better than any of us is that if people don't figure him out, if people miss this story, if people don't land this in their lives, they'll miss him and they'll miss heaven. Jesus says, look, 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 if you're going to do this journey, if you're going to come, then you're going to have to care about the things that I love with all of my heart. If if you're a, a man in here today and you are the father of a daughter, you get this. 
how, how many fathers and daughters do we have? Okay. I guarantee you, you have learned things. You have done things on account of your daughter that you would have never imagined as a young man, haven't you? You're all hanging your hands. How many, how many grandfathers of little girls do we have? Okay, all right, all right. here's what I'm going to do. We're, we're going to take the father of daughter test, okay? Or the grandfather of granddaughter test. So if you're a father of a daughter, if you're the grandfather of a girl, raise your hand. Okay, stand up. All right, so go ahead, stand up, stand up, stand up. Stand up. We're only going to humiliate you a little bit. Come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. All right, good for you. Good for you, thank you. All right. Whew. So you have gone, you have already gone where no man ever planned to go. You have done things, learned things, been part of things that you never thought. You have gone shopping in aisles. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to hold up, I'm going to do a series of questions, okay, a series of, I'm going to say, ha have you ever... Do you know, are you familiar with? And if the answer is yes, no, I've done that, or I'm familiar with that, I knew that, stay standing. If you go, no, 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 I've never, and, and I'm, I had no idea, that's completely news to me, then you get to sit down. Okay? Here we go, father of daughter quiz. All right, so we're going to start off real easy. <clears throat> How many of you have figured out that little girls love dress up? Stay standing. How many of you have inadvertently had to be involved at some level? You either, either had to have your hair put in little scrunchies, or you had to get a manicure, or, you know, some ribbon tied somewhere. You, somehow you've been involved in... Stay standing. See, I'm telling you, man, places you never thought you'd go, huh? All right, all right, all right. How many of you figured out that little girls like cooking and making things because it's social? And therefore, you have somewhere had to sample the cooking of your daughter. And the proper response was, mmm. <laughs> if you've done that, then stay standing. All right. Okay, we're gonna, it's gonna get, we're going to get harder. All right. Complete this phrase. Hannah... High school. How many of you had to go to the movie? <clears throat> See, I don't, I don't know whether to applaud for those that sat down or the ones that stayed standing. Someone lost a man card, but all right. All right, we're going to get harder. You ready? You ready? 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 Littlest pet shop. How many of you knew that was cool for little girls? Okay. All right. Here we go. Last but not least. You ready? You ready? Finish the phrase. Polly. Look at these guys standing. Is that pretty amazing? Pretty amazing. 
All right, you guys can sit down. Now, here's the thing. Here, here, here's, here's the answer. I guarantee you there's not a guy in the room who, if you had asked them pre-daughter, Polly Pocket would have known the answer. But when you love someone, you get involved with what they love. years ago when we started the church, one of the guys who was here helping us start the church was a guy by the name of Brent Richardson, who's just, I mean, total man's man, eats lots of meat, had hair growing in places that you shouldn't have hair growing, killed things and consumed it, you know, just a man's man kind of a guy. And, and one day Brent showed up to staff and, and his eyes were all red and burned out and I said, Brent, you know, what, what, what's going on? What have you, you been sick or something? He goes, no. He says, I was up, I was up to like 2 in the morning looking for my daughter Abby's doll named Baby. So I said, well, wait, 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 Brent. You were up till 2 in the morning looking for Baby. And he goes, Yes. Somewhere, Abby was playing. She set baby down. She can't remember. And now she is heartsick that she's lost baby. So Sonia and I are up, turning everything over, opening every cupboard, looking under everything, trying to find baby for Abby. And I go, wait a minute. Am I, am I remembering? Are we talking about that nasty little thing your daughter carries around? I mean, that thing's just got, like, stains. All, I think it's missing an eye. And it's kind of weird as Cyclops doll. He goes, yeah, that's baby. And in my sensitivity, because I've never had a daughter, I simply said, can't you just say to her, get over it? Just then, no chance. You don't get how dear that little doll is to her heart. Well, Brent, why don't you buy her a new one? not having any of that. She has to have baby. So when I get off work tonight, I'm going home and Sonia and I are going to look for baby until we find her. See the answer? Right, right, right. When you love someone, you care about what they love. And you and I serve a Savior. You and I have connected with a God who desperately, passionately, insanely loves people. And Jesus is simply saying, look, 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 if you're going to do this journey with me, if you're going to come with me, if, if we're going to walk this together, you'll have to care about what I care about. You'll learn to fish. Because I love fish. I love people. And without me, they're lost. It's kind of interesting if you think about it. It's kind of interesting that, that this bothers you and kind of feels so uncomfortable. And I, 
I get it. I get, I get that to do this, you got to kind of push through some things that aren't really acceptable, and you got to you got to risk maybe someone who's your friend saying, look, I'm not sure I want to be your friend anymore. And having a neighbor who looks at you and thinks you're just a little weird and a little off, and I, I, I get it. But isn't it true that every one of us in the room who's figured out Jesus Christ, who's, who's made this connection in our lives, who's... <laughs> weren't we all fish once? And isn't it true that there was someone in our lives, somebody in our proximity, someone who cared about us enough to break social norms, to, to have the conversation that, that one day when we were at the water cooler and we were asking some questions, they said, hey, you know, maybe we could go to coffee after this. Or we were in a moment and we were saying, look, I just can't figure it out and my marriage isn't working and I, I just don't know how to put the pieces together. And they said, I'd like to invite you to church because we're having this conversation right now. Isn't it true that every single one of us in the room was a fish once? And you and I are here because someone had the courage to go fishing, to say what needed to be said, to to intrude into our lives. Don't every one of us in this room owe a huge debt to another Christian who was willing to do this for us. Some of you guys know my story. And I actually became a Christian at a pretty young age. I was raised in church and Sunday school and about six years old, I, I remember sitting in a Sunday school class and a teacher whose name I can't even remember today. I, someday I'm going to get to heaven and I want to go, who was that that taught my class? Who shared the story of Jesus? I, I went home that day and I crawled under my bunk bed and I, as clear as I'm sitting here right now, I remember getting on my knees, asking Jesus in my heart, Jesus, will you be my Savior? Will you come into my life? But if you've heard my story, you also know that, that I didn't do a whole lot with it from there and that... Uh, truth be told, my family went into chaos. My parents uh, ended up divorcing, and it was ugly and bad and hard. And I, as a young man, completely turned my heart away from God. I just said, look, if, if God can let divorce happen to a Christian home, then I don't want anything to do with that God. And if my dad, this Christian man, can leave my home, then I don't want anything to do with my dad. And, and I literally set out as a young man, my goal in life was to prove to God and to my dad that I didn't need either of them. And if you would have seen me as a young man, you would have seen the angriest, most bitter young man. And then Wayne. The, the little church down a couple of streets over from our house had called Wayne as a youth pastor and when he got there his first Sunday, there were two kids in the youth group. And, and someone had said to him, hey, you know what? There's, there's this kind of scruffy kid down on the corner. His, his name is Lynn. And, and I think he's visited our church a couple times. Maybe you could talk to Lynn. And, and so sure enough, Wayne came down, knocked on my door. I opened the door. There was Wayne. Overweight wearing a leisure suit, 
and patent leather shoes. And that little gold watch, remember you'd stick in your pocket with a little chain on it? Remember that? I was going through my hippie phase, which meant I had elephant bell bottoms so big you could trip and get lost in them. And, and I had my long hair going. I, I mean, you talk about two different worlds. You talk about two people who had nothing in common. And there was Wayne. And Wayne simply invited me. He just said, hey, I, I'm starting the youth group down here. Would you come? And there was something compelling which began a journey of a guy just pouring his life into my life, of having conversations with me that I didn't want to have but needed to have, of speaking truth to me. I'm not sure as a young man I ever took the time to say to Wayne, Wayne, thank you. You, you changed my life. And, and truth be told, Wayne, was, Wayne wasn't perfect. Wayne was flawed and a few years later, he got angry at God and, and actually went off and began to live in such rebellion and such recklessness that I think God just finally had to say to Wayne, Wayne, it's time to come home. You can't keep living that way. I've often wondered what Wayne would have thought if he'd stayed alive and had watched what God did in my life and what it would have been like to ever just say thanks. So I wrote him a letter. Just trying to say what I wish I would have said as a young man. Here it is. Wayne, I'm writing to say thanks. My life has forever been changed because of you. Thanks for reaching out to an angry young man who had given up on God. Thanks for untold cups of coffee at Coco's. You shared scripture with me. Thanks for being an example to me. Thanks for seeing something in me that others clearly overlooked and I surely didn't see in myself. But thanks most of all for putting me back on track with God. You died before you ever got to see what happened to the seed that you planted in me I think you'd be proud. God has taken that scruffy young teen and allowed me to touch a ton of lives. Just goes to show that you never know what will happen when you share what Jesus has done in you with someone else. Here's what I do know, that all that God has done in me is owed in a big way to you. Thanks that when he asked you to come invite me to church, you came, leisure, suit, and all, and knocked on my door. See, truth be told, every last one of us in this room could write that letter. The circumstances would change, but every one of us is in this room because someone went fishing. Someone cared enough to open their mouths, to push through what was comfortable, to risk your friendship, to have a conversation. Every one of us who knows Jesus could write that letter.
Which then begs the question, who is it that's in the purview of your life? Who, who is it that God has placed you near that you're supposed to be weighing to? Who are the lens in your life? Matter of fact, if you have your Bibles this morning, grab them one more time and go with me over to the book of Matthew, chapter 5, to a passage that's kind of been the theme passage for this conversation. It's going to be a little bit to the left. Matthew, chapter 5, here's what Jesus says, Matthew 5, verse 14, you... You are the light of the world. You want to hear this in Lynn version? You are Wayne to someone. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everybody in the house. And in the same way, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You get what Jesus is saying? He's saying, look, 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 look. He says, nobody, nobody is dumb enough to, to try to take the lamp that they're using to light their house and put it in a corner and then cover it over with a basket. You would never do that, Jesus says. And so Jesus says, so give me credit that, that I would never take my children, the lights of the world, the wanes of the world, and stick you off in some corner where it's no one would ever notice. He says, I, I have placed you strategically. I've stuck you where you will have the most effect on the lens in your life. Which then begs the question, who is it? Who? Who is it that God has placed in your life hoping that you would do some fishing, that you would have this conversation, that you would be bold enough to share what you figured out? See, some of you were going, why in the world did God give us Uncle Fred? <laughs> and you get that it's possible that God said, if Uncle Fred is ever going to have a chance to know this story, to figure me out, you, you are the best Wayne that I have. See, you were wondering why you didn't get that last promotion. You were fully qualified. The person who got the promotion and passed you, they, they hadn't worked nearly as long or produced nearly as much, and you were stuck in that department. And what in the world is God doing? Is it possible that God has you, you ready, positioned exactly where he wants you? And your co-worker's best shot at God is if you're Wayne to them. Is it your neighbor? I don't know. Is it, is it your child's teacher's? I don't know. But Jesus says, look, 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 look. Give me credit. I put you exactly where I needed you so that those who need to figure me out, those who are still, that you would be their best opportunity. And if you're going to follow me, 
I'm going to invite you to fish. We stuck these inside of your magazine that you just got today. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do over the next few moments. I'm going to invite you to simply ask this question. If Jesus says that, that he put me exactly where he wants me, that there are people in my sphere of influence who are around me who God is saying, look, if they've got any shot, you're Wayne. You're the one. Who would that be in your life? Is it Uncle Fred? Is it your coworker? Is it your child? I don't know. Who is that in your life? Because God said, I have placed you where you will have the most effect. And so I'm just going to ask you to consider this morning writing on this card. On the, there, it's two-sided. It rips in part. On the top, three names. Three names of people that you'd say, you know what? I, I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling this is someone who God is hoping will see Jesus in me. And then I'm going to ask you to write the same three names on the bottom. And in a minute, I'm going to ask you to hand them in. So if you go, well, I don't want to put their whole name. I just want to put their front name. That's okay. That's okay. I don't care about that. This isn't about... No one's going to read this. It's about you identifying who you believe it is that maybe God's placed in your life. Once you do that, here's, here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do three things for the names. I'm going to ask you in the next 30 days, would you pray for the names? Would you just say, hey, God, look, look, I know Fred still needs to figure this out. I know Alice is still struggling. Would you reveal yourself to them? That's all I'm going to ask. For 30 days, would you pray for the three names? God, would you please make sure they see the light, that they get this information? Second thing, second thing I'm going to ask you to do, would you invite, would you invite, you, you get that all the things we're doing right now, the whole friend day, the parenting series, we're not doing that to fill chairs. The chairs are full. You realize it would be easier if no one else came? We wouldn't have to be crowded. We're doing these things because we're giving you fishing rods. We're giving you tools to do what you're supposed to do, what we're supposed to do. So in the next 30 days, would you invite someone, some on the list, just one person on the list, would you invite one person to one thing? If they turn you down, you did your job. Would you invite one to one thing? And then the last part. If a spiritual conversation breaks out, in other words, somewhere along the line, they, they, someone says, hey, you know what, I, I've been thinking about going back to church. You realize that's a spiritual conversation, right? Hey, I, 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 my marriage is struggling. I'm just trying to figure out how to put the pieces together. That's a spiritual conversation. You know, I, I've, I've really been, I've been laid off, and I've been praying recently. That's a spiritual conversation. And would you in that moment, would you, would you promise, if a spiritual conversation erupts, I'll have the conversation. I won't walk away from the water cooler. I won't. I'll have the conversation. When you guys came in today, you all got pop rocks. Did you get pop rocks? You got your. How many ate your pop rocks? Okay, bunch of pop rock gorgers. All right, so we're gonna do something with our pop rocks real quick. So if you need pop rocks because you already ate your pop rocks, or if you're just a pop rockaholic and you want like three packets of pop rocks, raise your hand. We're gonna get you some pop rocks. Okay. Look at all those hands going up. How many at your pop rocks? Three. How many need pop rocks? Hundreds. You ate your pop rocks. 
All right. So here's what we're going to do. Toss those pop rocks. Open your pop rocks. Rip the entire top off. You need full access to your pop rocks. Okay, so here's what we're going to do in just a moment. Just a moment, I'm going to count to three. We are going to take our pop rocks in, and then you're going to close your mouth. Okay? Okay, pretty much. We're getting pop rocks out. Yes? Pretty close. Okay, ready? No? All right. Well, hang on a second. Some people are feeling left out of the pop rock illustration. You'll tell your grandkids about this moment. I was in church and we ate pop rocks. My life was changed by pop rocks. After the pop rocks, I fell to my knees. No, all right. Okay, we're pretty much there. We're there. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Close your mouth. Squish them around. Squish them good. Keep your mouth closed. Ready? Count to three. Open your mouth. One, two, three. Okay. Right down the middle. This side, close your mouth. This side, open your mouth. Okay, close your mouth. Open your mouth. All together. Oh, I think one went up my nostril. So here's the answer. This only works if you open your mouth. And somewhere is going to come the moment, somewhere is going to come that spiritual conversation, somewhere that person who God has placed in your life is going to be tender and ready, and in that moment, you're going to have to have the conversation. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're doing communion this morning together. I want to change communion up just a little bit. Here's what I was hoping we would do. You get, you get the communion as the celebration, the idea that, look, I'm not trusting going to church. I'm not trusting being a religious person to get me to heaven. I'm trusting one thing. I'm trusting what Jesus did on the cross for me to get me to heaven. I'm trusting the death of Jesus for me to be the price. So that's what we do when we celebrate communion. And Scripture says pretty clearly, you and I aren't supposed to come with sin in our lives. We're supposed to be okay with God when we come and partake of this table. It's a, it's a part of just getting it all right. But, but I'd like to add this morning. I'd like as we come forward, and then there's a bunch of tables at the back you can go to also. What if we brought part of the card? What if in that moment we said simply in our hearts, Jesus, I get it, that if I'm going to come be with you, that if I'm going to follow you, if I'm going to do this journey with you, I have to love what you love, which means I have to love people. And I get that there are probably some people you've placed in my life hoping, hoping that I would open my mouth. So here's what I'm promising, and here's what I think we're saying if you drop a card in the basket today. Don't have to, it's okay, but if you drop one in, here's what I think you're saying. Jesus, for the next 30 days, I'll pray for these three people who I believe you've placed in my life. In the next 30 days, I'll invite one. 
I'll invite one to one thing. And in the next 30 days, if a spiritual conversation happens, I'll open my mouth. I'll have the conversation. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I've got to love what Jesus loves. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord Jesus, we, we simply come before you this morning. And truth be told, when we signed on for this thing, we, we had no idea that you were going to say, if you come with me, if you follow me, if you do this journey with me, I'll teach you to fish. I'll teach you to love what I love, which means you will. You'll, you'll push past some social barriers and you'll have some conversations that, that may risk a friendship. truth be told in this room today every last one of us owes our eternity to a Christian who fished teach us to fish for men and women this we pray in Jesus name